0: And we're recording. It's Friday, baby. Ooh, you can hear them crack that Diet Coke open. Does that count as misophonia? People have been complaining that we've been eating on the mic and stuff.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. We <laughs> I <think> weren't the- <laughs> actually. By the way, we were not actually chewing gum on the bonus episode. We were
0: simulating like an AI. We oh, AI gone, basically we, we were are doing all, a joke about that.
2: We're trained comedians. We're trained actors <laughs> and it can seem that sometimes when you start Dim America, the leftist podcast for podcast for clowns by clowns that we are really doing things we are not doing like chewing into a microphone, like opening a diet soda, which That's is not right. a beer, right. but isn't a can did
1: that with his armpit. Yeah, yeah
2: that, that was that
0: not real. Though that I think is a pleasant sound. The sound of a can yeah, cracking oh yeah.
2: open. Well it could be triggering you know the
0: alcoholics. Oh yeah, after you just hear pss- ah.
2: Ah. I can my finally be channel. myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Sounds like Friday night, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stress just goes away. You know what I've been thinking about? Cause I've been doing my Duolingo and like Duolingo has that passive aggressive owl that like, if yeah, you that piece of shit. fuck up a day, it's like, well, I guess you don't love me. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's a thing called a streak freeze in Duolingo. If you fuck up a day, he's like, that's all right. You had a streak freeze. So we're just going to pretend like you didn't fuck that up. What about that? But for Alcoholics Anonymous, huh? Okay. Because I've been trying to take a little time off the sauce, but things happen, you know? That's okay. That's a streak freeze. Whoa. Well, fucking had a little bit of a Wednesday night. Streak freeze. <laughs> I'm having a
2: streak freeze every two
0: days. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can buy the... the Resort the little diamonds that you buy streak freezes with.
2: Yeah, as long as you keep giving that owl diamonds, it doesn't give a damn what you do. <laughs>
0: and if you plug your credit card and you get AA premium, you can just purchase the diamonds that then give you streak freezes.
2: Yeah, you, you legally speak Spanish now. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I'm not an alcoholic.
0: <laughs> You're
2: like the Dosecis guy. You've mastered it. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Pod Damn America. I'm here with Jake Flores.
0: I'm here with Alex Batak in Alex's apartment and Anders, where are you?
1: I am in Casa de Flores. <laughs> Anders Lee here. Wow. From Looks a. nice.
0: I, <laughs> I don't know how we did this, but yeah. I went to Alex's place to record. Alex went to Alex's place where he lives by not going I, anywhere.
1: I wanted to mix it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel
2: like it adds a little
1: variety. Just, how's and, the temperature know, in there? Is it good? <laughs> it's a little. It's a, it's a nice amount of chili. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, Keep you sharp for a podcast, I bet. Right. Yeah. I don't want to sweat too much, so I I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you know, I missed the Zoom. Um, we used to. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice format. It gets it gets too stale when you can be in the same room and the audio is all on the same level. You're not uh, talk. You know, it doesn't stop when another person starts talking.
2: Anders gets so mad because I was trying to kiss him while we're recording, and this was the only <laughs> right. way
1: around it. I just set physical boundaries.
2: Yeah,
0: not to mention
2: my apartment is on the fourth floor and people want to die coming
1: here.
0: Oh, yeah. The boundary you set was that you wanted to be in my apartment while I'm not there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. How's Murray? Yeah, how's the cat? Uh, He was interfering with the interview earlier, but uh, (laughs) now respectfully looking the other way.
0: Good dog. Well,
2: you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell on this end, so that's that's good uh, professionalism.
1: Yeah, I thought we were recording at Jake's. Uh, I was I guess I was orally told otherwise but that's when, an you,
2: oral oral promise oral contract
0: yeah. it's an oral tradition that's all you got to get it's, in writing
1: people right and that's a non-verbal uh, I don't uh, I guess I uh, yeah non-verbal cues are actually what I need yeah
0: well Anders, you're just a ray sunshine <laughs> That's what I think about you. That's adorable.
2: (laughs) Oh, heck. Well, you know, there's a lot of ray of sunshines in the United States of America, and different elected officials are out complimenting them throughout the world.
0: Excellent segue.
2: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the soda talking. I'm all zooted up on this soda pop. But... uh, you know, uh there are there are there's kind of some scandals in the news. Did you guys hear about this? Senator McNally.
1: Is he a senator? I thought he was a lieutenant governor.
2: Lieutenant governor,
0: Randy McNally. Randy McNally is his what? name?
1: I didn't know that was his full name.
2: Is his he the guy is... that
0: globes are named after?
2: <laughs> well, his name is Randy <laughs> McNally because he's Randy on the internet.
0: Uh, oh. Oh I got So you. his
1: name is not actually Randy.
2: Well, I mean, it says on this, <laughs> it said oh, that it is, is his is. name as well, but that's why it is, it's his name.
0: But That yeah. is an insane name, though. You know what I'm talking about, Rand McNally, right?
1: As far as I'm concerned, you can draw a bunch of roads right over me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a globe.
2: <laughs> Treat me like a globe. <laughs> 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 Drive all over my surfaces.
0: <laughs> Spin me. Can
2: you believe most of me is water? <laughs> okay i'm mostly fluid (laughs) Uh,
0: crevasses
2: Oh wait but i did a bad job uh, introducing this (laughs) um so tennessee's lieutenant governor randy mcnally has been caught in a social uproar after his social media posts and likes were revealed online on a sexual posting spree
0: a sexual posting spree (laughs)
2: NBC, oh no, no. North Carolina 5 Williams? What was what, the source for this? What? I'm trying to get the news station that this is on. Channel 5 News has an exclusive interview.
0: See these posts? Okay. What should they take away from them? Well, well, I don't know
1: that they should take away it. A- a whole lot.
0: In an exclusive interview, McNally described how he befriended the young man first on Facebook then on Instagram. Among the posts, this close-up of the young man's backside, McNally responded with three red hearts and three on-fire emojis along with a comment, Ben, you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine. (laughs) right, wait, wait. First of all, this is like kind of unrelated to the story. The the mid-Atlantic accent on the reporter of the story is adding a level to it.
1: Unfair emojis. <laughs> Unfair emojis. <laughs> I actually thought that was I thought that was AI. I thought they'd like <laughs> local news stations. I assume they're like just cutting staff now and just replacing them with tr- AI voice.
0: Yeah, Trump and Biden. Oh, this guy has been posting. That's right, <laughs> Jack.
2: He's posting on fire emojis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so apparently this elected official is just going on telling, telling people to spray him with cum.
0: Oldest story in the book, far-right politician is against gay people and is secretly gay we all know it it's It's kind of
2: two of the oldest stories in the book which is homophobic senator is gay and then or not senator uh and then i think my brain is just filling in senator because this has happened so many times with senators but um (laughs) the other oldest story in the book is old man does not know how to use computers does not (laughs) realize you can see all the things he
1: does (laughs) yeah you think they were private Messages. I mean, I know he said he didn't, but... Well, they weren't for us. They were for that young man. Right. I think he... Yeah, I thought he was sending them discreetly. And maybe he did send more successfully that are even more vulgar.
2: Yeah, the um, moment this man found the direct message button. Holy shit.
0: Well, didn't he go on to do some PR, some damage control here, and explain yeah. his posting yeah. habits as if it was no big deal?
2: The, the rest of the interview is this guy being like, I changed how I think about... <laughs> <laughs> the LBGT community. <laughs> and it's like this is not what we are discussing. Right now. <laughs> We're discussing about you openly uh cruising on the internet.
1: <laughs> My question from all this is what would society do with an openly gay politician or straight really who is just also openly thirsty.
0: You can't be horny on Maine if you're a politician. Although there are some younger politicians who have... Well, no, I don't think these people are just straight up horny on. There's a few people that are like... like um, What's his face?
2: There's that Republican guy who got chased out of the party last year.
0: Yeah. Well, Republicans' rules are kind of that you have to be a, a Christian family values-oriented person. But there's like some DSA types that have just been like fuck it, man. I'm going to be a shit poster and sort of gotten away with it. Here's my home. (laughs) I think what's interesting about the, like the closeted Republican thing, uh, is that it seems like the way they square the circle with this sort of thing and explain how they manage to be seemingly contradicting themselves is that they all actually are more queer than liberals mm. in a sense, but they conceive of those desires as being things that everyone just has, but it would be right. immoral to give into. And then sometimes you're talking to them and you're like, well, I don't, I don't ever think about, uh, you know, you know, foot fucking a male stripper ever like yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like a thing that you are clearly are into
2: there's a classic closeted priest thing as well
0: <laughs> but fascinatingly from their own individual perspective i think they that's why they see it as such a moral choice is because they are like they're a community of people where you're just not allowed to be that so you either have to be an out whatever or someone who is like We all have the darkest urges from time to time. (laughs) We've all seen Finn
2: and his account.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the good Lord guides us. He has tempted me with a
2: super like button and I have pressed it. (laughs)
0: yeah it's just ironic because it's like well you need to be free more than any of us
1: (laughs) right because in theory like i feel like a lot of the other hard right anti-gay people are like when you go to the gay conversion therapy not only will it help you suppress those urges but it will also make you mask and that just doesn't (laughs) happen like people don't come out of there like chopping wood and i mean maybe some do to overcompensate, but it, it can't like change your voice or mm. really anything, but it can, you know, that shit just makes you suppress yourself. But they, they view it as like a, a conversion, a full personality conversion camp. So you come out of there like Ron Swanson, it just doesn't happen. In you any know
2: way. what I would love to see a movie about? And this is me. Ma- I hope this has existed in real life, is a scared straight style camp where they try to encourage you to embrace heteronormativity through karate, you know what I mean? Just like twenty young gay men forced to do karate in the woods, right? But then they learn
0: the karate and they turn they it turn against it. the camp, the patriarchy. This <laughs> a good. It's a good idea. You got yourself an idea there for a film.
2: I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get into, get into Google.com see if uh, I've un- unlocked a story here. We'll we'll look into that.
0: But that's an elevator pitch say, if I have ever heard one.
1: I will say, having done both karate and dance and Having been really bad at both of them, they are basically the same thing they are yes if if you're in the if you're in the class they are almost exactly the same
2: i think i've said this on Mike before i took one karate class when i was like eight then they explained to me you will not get to fight anybody (laughs) and i left immediately (laughs) i was like that was the reason i was here okay (laughs) fine (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna practice in front of a mirror that is not at all what i was interested in
0: (laughs) yeah that's like one of those things that they tell uh kids to like to do a little gotcha like oh you know wrestling pro wrestling is similar to ballet or whatever yeah but it's totally true mm. i it mean is. yeah like and also like the doing ballet those kids fucking tear their feet up and shit they're basically oh, you get so hurt they're crazy right. it's crazy the physical endurance that that sort of shit takes
2: If you want a strong child, you got to make them do gymnastics when they're like three, and if all of their bones and their body are not destroyed, you will have like a Hulk-like baby that you can then employ in the (laughs) sport you want. That's my parenting advice for the week. Be sure to do that to your children.
1: Thank you. (laughs) My grandma was on point when she was four years old, ballet terms. Ballet people know what that means. Andrews
2: is on point every week on our
1: podcast.
0: Is on point a (laughs) ballet term?
2: Yeah, it's when you're on your cozies.
0: Oh, I thought it just meant like you're... Lipstick game was on fire <laughs> that week or whatever.
1: My grandma was on fleek, but her, her feet as an old woman were just like giant fucking yams, just like <laughs> watermelons. Practically, it was. It's not good for you. Wonderful. Yeah,
0: you're not supposed to stand directly vertically on your toe. That's insane.
1: Anders, how was
2: your ballet experience? <laughs> uh, <pretty bad>. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Uh (laughs) I was so bad at it. They, uh, they told me I didn't have to do it, but I, and I hated it, but I insisted that (laughs) I do it just out of like fucking out of stubbornness. I was just like, no, I don't want to get special treatment. I want to suffer through this ballet class.
2: You don't hear that a lot from the teachers. The, uh, actually, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do the sport. (laughs) I was kidding.
0: (laughs) When you laughed at that question, you reminded me of how McAfee, when he wants to dodge a question, you'd be like, so did you kill that woman? And you'd hear a pause, and it just... (laughs) <laughs> Good way of dodging a question. I've been thinking about him a lot because I bought a laptop a while back that I cannot get the McAfee antivirus off of. Like, you, after uninstalling and everything, it's just built into the laptop. And it's like, he's dead.
2: And he's haunting your yeah. computer. And we
0: talked to him and made fun of him. And he's got the revenge, revenge from beyond the grave, you know? right? I'm having a similar issue with Norton.
2: So... <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know what's wrong with these fucking tech millionaire people. What kind of sick shit was that
0: guy into? I
2: don't know. The other one was fucking whales. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the standard.
0: <laughs> well, from time to time, we all have taken a stroll <laughs> down the beach. We've all seen the hole
2: in the top of the head and realized it matches the one in the heart.
1: Sir, I want to ask you about your Instagram comments on uh, beluga fans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the
2: parallel for OnlyFans for whale people's beluga fans. (laughs) Liberate um, yourself, make a beluga fans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I said this, but I remember, so McAfee on our show was doing a Uh laugh a lot, as you said. Uh But I listened to, there was like an actual serious economics podcast that he did <laughs> where they asked him like like serious like like nerd questions about like crypto and shit. And he did it like five times more (laughs) 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 like talking about exchange rates. Like,
0: (laughs) well, he was talking about things he enjoys, you know, that is how he expresses delight.
2: Whenever he's sewing discord, he does the laugh. I think
0: I had a, a, during 2020, when that happened, I was in uh, a park in Brooklyn at one point where everyone was just hanging out. There was an era when the parks were just bedlam and they were just retaken by society. It looked like a, with a QZ from last of us or something. It was a lot of fun. And this guy came up to me and he was like, are you Jake Flores? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I don't like you, but I listened to that McAfee episode and it was pretty funny. So he was going through his own, (laughs) like from time to time. I've been (laughs) tempted by your podcast sort of conflict. (laughs) I think he was like a Twitter guy who was like, I'm not supposed to like this. You're his fin. Yeah, I am. You you make his day. Look into that dude's likes. <laughs> <laughs> he likes this show even though it's gay.
2: Uh, well, we have, an, we have another wonderful news clip here. Um, yeah. We're talking unions this week. That's right. Anders, what's going on with the oh. United Auto Workers? You want me to set it
1: up? Oh, you want me to set up the clip or the interview? Uh, set up the clip first. I'll set up the clip. Okay. So, um, yes, there is a Teamster SOB. Who is in charge? That is his actual handle on Twitter. <laughs> Teamster SOB. And he's now head of the Teamsters. Uh, Sean O'Brien, bald Irish Catholic Boston man, very angry, uh, who is collaborating with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who is now chair of the Help Committee, um, who brought him before the Senate to testify. And um, Republicans had some questions. For the most part, they asked their witnesses, who are just like, you know, conservative think tank wonks but one guy senator mark wayne mullen one word mark wayne yeah mark wayne
0: mark wayne
1: if you want to really annoy this guy you should just pronounce his name mark wayne because he's (laughs) you know like a white oklahoma guy um but he's a apparently a business owner in this in this clip he has his his shirt is practically off. He's like wearing just wearing a button down. So he doesn't look like a senator. You know, they're supposed to wear suits and shit. Uh, but He's just wearing a white button down. And he it's, it's, tries to go toe to toe with Sean O'Brien. And I'll let our listeners be the judge of who wins this one you the are out of line, Let man. Him the question. Actually, haven't. No, don't tell me I'm out of you line. You are out of line. Don't tell me I'm out of line. Well, you, you, you frame you're don't tell me. you statement. You need to hold shut off your, off off your mouth yeah. because you don't you're know are you going to tell me to about. shut my mouth? Yes, I did. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hold yes, it. Tough I, yes. guy. I'm not Senator, afraid of physical... Senator, hold it. But don't
1: sit there and tell me I'm out of line.
0: Because we hold. We
2: hold. Bernie Sanders, by the way, just wishing for a day off (laughs) just praying to not be in the room (laughs) oh boy yeah uh yeah he uh i think he could beat up mark wayne
1: yeah i mean i kind of wanted to see this guy physical i definitely think he could uh yeah he goes on to be like um well we should play the rest of the clip because it's pretty pretty rich
2: okay Uh, yeah just for for context he has started uh by inflaming Sean O'Brien, asking him if he's, like, done a day's work is his, his entire life, and it immediately yeah. escalates. Okay, Right, because
1: he, he points out Sean O'Brien's salary, and yeah. Here's some more of the clip. Old greedy CEOs That's like yourself not, accountable. You call me a greedy CEO. Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you want to attack my salary, I'll
3: attack you You're, up. What did you,
1: make? what did you make when you owned your company? I made my company, I kept my salary down at about uh, 50000 a year because I invested every penny into it. Okay, all right. You mean you hid money? No, I didn't hide. Oh, okay. Oh. Hold on a second. Okay, he said that's out of line. You said I was out. We're, line. Even. we're, He's even. A,
2: a, a, we're even. we're not
1: even. Not <laughs> even close to being even.
2: He's immediately going for the manager on this. <laughs> He's being mean to me. I'm mean to him. That's the exchange here. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, a but. It's great okay. to see like the most comfortable men in the nation go toe to toe with a guy who seems like out of the departed film
1: <laughs> These guys don't know how to handle uh actual unions some of them say they've they've dealt with unions before um or they know people in in unions. it's probably true to some extent but they're not used to the concept of a, a labor movement and an actual head of a union who's um has some commitment, solid commitment to, uh, you know, generating more worker militancy around the country. Uh, So, yeah, sparks are flying. We're going to see more of this shit. I I don't know if you saw – there was another one today. Um, You know, we couldn't get a President Bernie, but I helped committee chair Bernie is at least creating good content. Um, There's one today where he drags the railroad CEOs before the Senate, and he, like – and one of them's trying to, you know, squirm around, not giving sick days. Um, so apparently, Howard Schultz has actually agreed to testify. Um,
2: His we'll white
0: whale. Howard!
2: Howard!
0: <laughs> Man.
2: Appear before the help committee. <laughs> yeah.
0: I must spear you. <laughs> He's got the red eye going and shit. Howard! Howard! Uh. I just watched the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie that they put out last year, and it's like um, one of those, you know, reboot ish sort of things for the new generation. So there's woke politics in it and stuff, which I'm sure some people fucking hated. But um,
2: meat wad is by now.
0: <laughs> it's not. It's, it's like anti Amazon shit. But one thing that's cool is that they made Carl union guy. That is cool. He's trying that's to salt Amazon. For- <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that is what's going on with this. Like uh, having a character like Carl dropped into the universe of these like shitty politicians and stuff.
2: I do love this dynamic that... uh, We got to get fry,
0: man. It's sick time.
2: (laughs) He's going to lie down. (laughs) Uh, No, I do love this dynamic of uh, conservative uh, officials forced to actually talk with union guys because the new populist angle that the right plays now, and we saw this a lot with the train strike conversation earlier, is that, hey, we love the working man. uh Bud Light and Tonka and Ford truck and driving Ford truck, culture wars. But then also the problem is these union leaderships that are sipping lattes don't know what's good for them. And then they talk to the union leadership guys who are like named Salty McGavins and their hook, their <laughs> hands are hooks.
0: Yeah. Well, this is kind of what you get for like being a faux populist for long enough, like pretending like you like the everyman. Eventually you have to kind of meet them. Right. <laughs>
2: We're best friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's. We're going is, like, to
0: the titty bar later. <laughs> Here yes. we are at
1: the breast
2: output. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh right, ooh, boy, Mark
1: Wayne Mullen owns a company, uh, so he is a CEO. As and is he's, not, a girl he's boss. you know, he likes to say, "Oh, I get along with my workers because they fucking have to be nice to you because you're their fucking dictator." Like he just cannot compute that some of them actually might have issues with their conditions and might want to organize at some point. So they just pretend that, oh, no, that's that doesn't exist.
2: I mean, it's literally a survival drive when your boss <laughs> walks into the room to suddenly be like, how was the big game? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing this week?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Please save my family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, so we are in perhaps a new era. I don't want to got us too ahead of ourselves, but there's, I think, some exciting stuff happening uh, in the labor movement, um, as, you know, is often repeated. It's, of course, still private sectors, like, it's hovering around single digits at this point, and strike activity has yet to surpass where it was in the 80s. But there are some really encouraging signs, especially in the way of union reform, because uh, for a very long time, union leadership, especially in the big unions, has not been responsive to its members. There's a disconnect there. The uh, rank-and-file wants better things than the leadership is is willing to fight for. Um, but there are some waves happening in a major union in the country, UAW. Uh, phonetically, I think that's... Ooh, ah, um,
2: that's correct. It's right. a disturbed-based
1: union. That's right. Um, But they are. That's right. United Auto Workers is the name of it. However, they do include a lot of grad students, which uh, is an interesting dynamic there, too. Um, And, you know, a lot of this vote was was uh, grad students as well um, voting for a reform candidate uh, who we are going to hear some about uh, from a journalist who has been covering this stuff. Uh, Daniel Boguslaw. So let's go to that tape.
2: Let's go to that now.
1: All right. We are now joined by Daniel Boguslaw, reporter from The Intercept. Thank you for joining us, Daniel.
3: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Uh huh. And you have a new piece out about the UAW election. Votes are still being counted for that. They just had their first one member, one vote leadership election. Uh, it's been a long time time getting here before that it was i don't know what it was like uh three member seven vote 69 member 420 vote something like that um something but like that. why had the union not had this electoral system up to this point and what did it take for uaw to get one member one vote
3: yeah so uh this system has been in place for uh like decades at this point i guess and you know it's basically a delegate system which uh, concentrates power in the hands of powerful union officials. Um, and, you know, it's a similar story to what is probably most legibly like, you know, the DNC um, uh, shitstorm with, you know, superdelegates and, uh, you know, just the idea that basically when you don't have a direct electoral system, you just open yourself up to all sorts of uh, power plays and brokers and, you um, and yeah, just a, a total failure to mobilize um, rank and file, and also get rank and file excited because you know even in this recent election, which is heading towards an upset, there's just extraordinarily low turnout. Because when you have uh, uh, you know a voting uh, a voting base that has just been demoralized and punched down on you know for decades, um, and who who views leadership as hyper calcified, there's just no like no reason for them to turn out and feel excited like they have any. Uh, hope of changing things. The catalyst for, um, the change from the delegate system to the one member, one vote really happened. Um, you know, there've been a lot of on the ground organizing, uh, for years with, um, UAWD, which is sort of, you know, the insurgent, um, faction, but really the past five years, they've just been completely deranged, um, Leadership scandals plaguing the UAW. Uh there, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that came out, but like we're talking about like union presidents and senior officials, you know, using union funds to like buy cocaine and poker chips um and just like partying. I think also like buying firearms and ammunition, I believe. I, I saw in the DOJ right up of that. Uh, you know, a million-dollar lake house. Just old world shit that um, was just completely over the top and completely egregious. And um, yeah, it was just – it was so bad. It took away from the ongoing uh, negotiations with the big three auto manufacturers in Detroit. Um and across the country. Uh, you know, again, it's just like when you have leadership that is not only trying to advocate for uh, is failing to advocate for rank and file, but is literally going away for like gambling your dues at a casino after getting boosted on coke and and uh pills, like that is really not good for a solidarity in the <laughs> rank and file. So I think um, you know, those factors uh just just people being pissed off. Um tired of the old regime, tired of the old leadership um, that allowed basically for this, this, um, you know, referendum on the voting system. And um, I think it was, I guess it was two years ago now. Um, they voted to change that to one member, one vote. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a, a leadership election. Uh, I went to a runoff, but they, they had a, a huge sweep. I think it was six um, insurgent candidates uh, elected to the sort of, governing body, the uh, international executive board. So already in that first round, there was like a sort of seismic shift of reformers coming in with the same organizers who had switched to the one member, one vote system. Um, and now it's, it's in a final runoff um, between uh, Ray Curry, the, the incumbent member of the administrative caucus, the old guard, uh, and Sean Fain, who's, um, you know been running uh, this sort of insurgent sweep and, um, yeah, things have sort of stalled out. I think the vote count is going to, uh, start up again next week. Um, but right now, Sean Fane insurgents up, uh, 650.
2: Has any side yeah. made any hay over the fact that Sean Fane's name sounds like Shin Fane?
3: Yeah, I've thought about that a lot and have also like misspelled his name, um, in early drafts. Cause there's some <laughs> sort of like subconscious, uh, you know, pro insurgent, uh, you know, sublimation going on there or whatever. It's a uh, radical tradition. Yeah, but uh yeah, I mean, he's definitely very radical in his policies, pretty like mellow, you know, kind of like mellow guy uh on on the face of things. Um but yeah, that 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 thought has definitely crossed my mind. Sure, unrelated though, in the in the end. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. or is it? Okay, I'm, to, I'm actually going to Ireland next week. I'm trying to. Oh, make really? some, um, some members of that that party for uh, for another story. Um, so oh, we'll see cool. if that pans out. Awesome if they know if they know Big Sean. Interesting. Yeah. I think they make cars over there, Tim's. Um
1: But yeah, Who's the Curry say? campaign, I think, recently uh, kind of declared, as you say, preemptive victory. Uh, they said, we are confident when when the process is complete, we will be successful. And then some more votes got counted. Uh, You said the current tally has, has feigned up. Is it a sure thing yet that he's going to take this thing away or could, you know, uh, a a curry comeback be in the works, perhaps a, uh, an illegitimate one?
3: Yeah. So because the, like, because the union is just completely plagued with scandal, um, like the DO, as I mentioned, the DOJ got involved in a, in a, a uh, federal judge appointed an independent monitor um to basically oversee a lot of different parts of this uh whole election and so basically where things are at right now is Fain's up 650 but i think there's around 1600 um sort of contested ballots and there's different reasons those are contested i i am you know there's different reasons a ballot can can be kind of like pulled out of the pile um, I think the biggest one that they're saying is, like, checking whether the member is in good standing, which I guess affects, like, you know, reviewing their dues, payments, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, there's no there's no indication that those ballots are going to, like, go one way or another um, or that all of those contested ballots are going to be thrown out. Um, so there is a chance that um, – you know that that number is higher than you know the 650 lead that that fane has but again there's like there's no reason to think that um you know they're all going to fall one way and you know fane's sweep has already has clearly been you know more you know dramatic than Curry's in that sense um i i talked to a couple people who said there's a chance that there are i mean there's there's a likelihood that you know the incumbent slate is going to try to you know push more legal proceedings um if they if they continue to you know lose uh as more uh votes come in and and as those like challenged ballots are reviewed um but i don't know everyone i've talked to seems pretty confident um and uh yeah but everyone's just sort of sitting on their hands right now i think i think they said like midweek next week there should be an update um but uh yeah that's where things are at Well, one of the
1: issues that Sean Fain has raised in the campaign is tiered employment. Uh, What is that and and why is it a threat to the union movement?
3: So, yeah, the the tiered employment, um, the pension freeze, um, basically just anything that splits, um, you know, workers into different uh, pay grades and and into different um, sort of like brackets based on when they join and what – what type of compensation they receive, um, from the company. And so, yeah, basically they, they split workers into different groups, um, which obviously a is just overall bad for the union because, uh, like you're, you're literally just taking away, um, uh, you know, benefits from, from more junior employees, but then it's, uh, so overall that affects everything, but also just in terms of, um, you know, creating, uh, solidarity within the workforce, you know, you're creating these different sort of factions in these different tiers. And, um, you know, some people I talk to, you know, they, they talk about how, uh, I, I think it's been since 2007 that their like pensions have been frozen. Um, and these were the backbone of America's, you know, American domestic production, you know, like just auto manufacturing, like what's more apple pie than that. And even these guys, you know, on the assembly line, um, you know, are, are, are not seeing, you know, the types of pensions that you used to guarantee, uh, uh, you know, full on retirement, their, their healthcare has, has been another big issue. Um, people getting frozen out before, you know, their retirement age and, and having to try to like navigate finding their own, their own healthcare in that, in that gap period. Um, and you know, basically what the insurgents are saying is just like, there's been no pushback from the current leadership, um, against the companies during, I think there've, I think there've been like three or four major contract negotiations, um, that have happened in the past few years. And, yeah, you know, they're just, they just haven't dealt with any of these issues. And, um, you know, I think he, a quote my piece talks about how you know th- there's just this vast discrepancy between what's being written on the signs on the picket lines outside of these factories and then you know kind of what gets distributed to rank and file from on high and from leadership um and i think this is like the same same story with a lot of a lot of old american unions that have just totally um you know calcified and just had leadership pass on and on obviously i talk in my piece about the teamsters how you know the sort of pure continuation of the Hoffa dynasty and the Teamsters just becoming this um you know totally sort of decrepit uh uh non-antagonistic organization. And then in 2021, this again a, a very similar story. Um, an insurgent sweep comes, uh, you know, that they're I think you can't really do it without, you know, you, you've got to find common ground with other people in the union like you can't build a sort of revolutionary force out of nothing and so like you have to make uh you, you have to have negotiations with other factions um as sean o'brien did with the teamsters but then i don't know if you guys saw the video going around of sean o'brien just kicking ass in uh bernie's um committee and um you know it's 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 wild to see that like like O'Brien, you know, came up like in like the Whitey Bulger era, and it's just like from I'm trying to remember what number that local is, but that Boston local is crazy. I remember like talking to their secretary with this like insane Southie accent. It's like trying to get a quote from O'Brien a couple years ago, and she was just like piss off, like he doesn't fucking know who you are, like like just no questions asked. And I think I feel like O'Brien's also like been arrested for just like throwing punches on the picket line. Wow. Um So. Like, you know, that's that's insane that like he's <laughs> he's in charge of the yeah. teamsters. He's talking about going on the offensive, building out, you know, massive, massive um, new organizing campaigns, trying to hit back at Amazon in a real way. I'm like what what you know, the, the kind of bullshit line that um, the past leadership was saying, um, you know, lining up actual actual putting his money where his mouth uh, mouth is on the UPS um, negotiations that are coming up um and also just trying to and i think you know this is something that Sean Fan is talking about too like it just cannot be holding the line in the shops that that you're already at and slowly like making concessions and 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 losing fight after fight after fight it's also just about this like massive attack plan. And, you know, Fain said that about, uh, the electric vehicle battery plants that are getting built out in the non, in non-union shops in the South. Um, and, you know, trying to stake a flag with, with EV, all this, you know, federal money going into it and being like, we, we're going to get a piece of that and we're going to fight, you know, to make sure that this new era is not a continuation of the slow decline of, you know, labor and domestic production. You know, we actually have an opportunity here to, to rally around this like influx, Um, so I don't know, it's, it's brutal. It takes years of organizing internally to win these leadership elections. And it often comes down to, you know, changing the way that, that, um, you know, the the delegate system or the sort of regional bosses can just punch down on, on rank and file and, and, and disincentivize them and demotivate them from organizing internally. Um, and so, yeah, if Fain wins this, I think it, hopefully it, it, it ends up looking like a, a similar, um. Repeat of the Teamsters.
1: Yeah, interesting. They're both, I think, uh, Irish-American, Sean O'Brien and Sean <laughs> Fain. I mean, that, that one of the best parts of that is he actually said to the uh, Senator Mullen, like, I'm not afraid to get physical with you. So it's definitely uh, making some entertaining content, and it's not hard to imagine uh, Sean Fain being in a similar position, but uh, I'm curious how um, the current union brass at uh, a union like UAW is responding to, to the Teamsters and now Senator Bernie Sanders on the help committee trying to make an issue out of, uh, unionism and, and dragging these bosses before Congress. Um, like what's their posture towards that? How do they, how are they reacting to that? Do they have, are, are they, would they even be willing to like testify and collaborate in the same way that, uh, O'Brien? No, is?
3: I mean, honestly, they just like, they don't give a shit. And like, that's not a ideological statement. It's like, you know, you look at the discrepancy between the the press releases that these that these ancient bosses put out, you know, and and like if you read those press releases, like and and you follow their you know you, uh, community meetups or whatever, and the speeches they give, like they do, you know, they they're, they're union bosses, like they draw on this old you know language that you know, uh, you know, I'm sure like if you didn't know it was coming from them would would you know be be applauded by you know whatever the dsa contingent but um you know they just they they just have no personal incentive within their leadership collective to act on any of this stuff to stick their neck out to take any risks um you know because once they start doing that it starts disrupting the the long chain of grift and and precarious balancing that that goes all the way down from like you know the executive committee's um all the way down to, to, you know, the sort of local bosses. And so it's just like, why rock the boat? Like we're getting paid fat salaries, you know, we, 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 we're, we're going to negotiate with the company so that they don't, you know, fuck us to the point where there's a, there's a real uprising, but we're not going to stick our necks out. We're not going to be hyper-aggressive, you know, and we're not going to mobilize. I mean, these, there's just this total stiffness when you, you know, you look at, and you look at their websites and you look, you know, it's just this total, like, Uh, zombie, zombification of, you know, this movement kind of like carried along by this weird old aggressive language. And there's this total disconnect between um, the actual work on the ground. I think, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I did a lot of reporting on um, ILWU Longshoremen uh, on the West Coast, which is like, you know, this just incredibly powerful union. They control all the docks Um, and like, you know, there's a, there's a fair point that people raise, which is like, they're the highest compensated, you know, like employee class or whatever, you know, these guys are making like, you know, the, the, the senior guys who are locked in are making, you know, like good six figure $180,000 a year salaries. But then you have these like militant shops, you know, like in the Bay, um, that are down to throw down and that are agitating and are kind of like showing that, uh you know these these powerful unions whether whether it's auto manufacturers whether it's truckers that control bottlenecks in the supply chain um they can throw down like they can totally throw down they have before you know you know obama got involved in ilw negotiations you know Biden, you know, sticks his neck out into ILWU negotiations. You know, the fact that presidents have to come and and kiss the ring and and get involved shows how much power they have. But then you look at, again, you look at the the leadership, you look at Willie Adams, and it's just like, you know, he's talking about the revolution. He's talking about the radical history of the San Francisco, you know, San San Francisco local and, you know, their efforts to oppose apartheid and refuse to ship, you know, Israeli arms. And then they just, you know, completely bend over. They don't, They'll issue solidarity statements with other strikes, but you know there's there's nothing going on. And in the meantime, L.W.U. has completely failed to build out into the you know warehouses and actual logistics um, infrastructure coming off of the ports that would give them even more leverage and would completely dom the shit out of you know anyone trying to step to them, um, you know moving into their turf and and would give them even more power than they already have. But again, they're making fat salaries. The bosses are making even fatter salaries, and so. You know, without um, people who are really driven by by seeing what the future is going to look like, by seeing the fact that, like, if there is not aggressive organizing now, these unions are going to get crushed even more. Um, You know, there's just there's going to be, you know, there's going to be no change.
1: Right. It's Far Cry from uh, Harry Bridges, who we've talked about on the show, founded ILWU and was straight up communist. Um, But, you know, corruption is obviously a big issue here uh, that, as you mentioned, they're spending member dues on things like cocaine, but is there some possibility of like actual collusion between union leadership and these auto manufacturer, the bosses is, are they kind of in bed in some sense? I mean,
3: I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, speak on the, on the local reporting there. I'm sure there's local, you know, be reporters there who, who, who could maybe point to some of that. But I I think the corruption is just like out is just right there out in the open. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's just, there's just cutting bad deals and those deals affect workers but they don't really affect bosses bottom bottom lines um and they don't put any of those bosses in the spotlight or like really make them do anything or get off their ass um or change their day-to-day lifestyle yeah i think that um it, it's hard to say that exactly i mean i i did an earlier piece about um like the UAW strike fund basically and there was a lot of issues around um you know what how much are how much are workers paying into the to the strike fund and how is that money getting used and you know they're basically like auto um, cutoffs for union dues once that fund reaches a certain amount which is going to lower you know the amount that workers have to pay in um and so i started really going through those numbers and trying to understand like where that cutoff was and found that um you know they were investing uh strike fund in these like really um sketchy private equity funds that you know are are you know giving extremely high yield returns into this fund um but are are companies that are effectively like gutting out workforces and pensions and healthcare plans in all these other places um and you know those those decisions were not uh you know those decisions are not voted on by rank and file those decisions are made by um senior leadership. So I think, I don't know, I think that piece of it is, is, is really interesting. Like how are these funds being invested and what are the implications of those investments, um, both on workers externally, you know, external to the union, but also on, um, uh, you know, workers in the union and, 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 um, you know, trying to understand how it affects, you know, how much they're having to pay in for their own strike fund.
1: Right. Uh, well, you also mentioned electric vehicles, uh, which, Um, Sean Fain is making a big issue out of he wants to move more aggressively, as you said, ensuring that that the uh, EVs are produced in union shops because now a lot of the auto manufacturers, it looks like they're gearing up to build them in a lot of southern right to work states. Um, What can the UAW actually do to prevent this from happening? And also, how serious is the auto industry about electric vehicles to begin with?
3: I mean, I think there anytime there's like government money getting, you know, waved around, I think people people get serious. Um I and I think that uh but I think you know a, a lot of what the push is from, from Fane is about like you know, actually recognizing that it, it can't just be words. It actually has to be building these new coalitions which like are extremely hard and difficult uh to build. And you know, it's, I think it's a lot easier to like cut small marginal deals you know where you know the union can say like all right we won this concession we won this plan or we won you know this component manufacturing thing or whatever but you know and then and then that's shot out and 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 and, uh pushed to the press as a win it's a lot harder to like try to you know do the both boots on the ground rank and file organizing um to oppose these things and also do you know the the kind of high high level order uh, high order you know uh political lobbying and and kind of back channeling and and backroom efforts where you're actually sticking it to people instead of cutting these deals to you know get a win that you can push out to to um rank and file even after selling them out um and, and then you know really be be negotiating with with lawmakers and and um company leadership in the background, it's like actually about doing the opposite of that and having a leadership that's like doesn't have those connections that they have to maintain and that are outsiders um, and are willing to, you know, play hardball in other areas and, and make serious threats about, you know, their workforce. Um, and so I think that's another thing. It's just like when you clean house, you also clean out all those relationships that have developed between, you know, different players, whether it's company side or legislative side um, in leadership. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the other piece of this that kind of like sometimes sinks below the surface, but is also there.
1: Right. I, I was wondering about, cause the investigations that are happening now, obviously that gives, you know, someone like Fane an opportunity to kind of start clean. Um, but it seems like there's going to be probably issues for some time just on the back end with, with different, uh, scandals that have happened, um, does that set a bad precedent for the union to have like federal investigators breathing down their necks even if they are like looking at legitimate corruption issues?
3: I mean, yeah, I mean I think it's I think it's like I said earlier like I think it's on the one hand it makes the like it makes it makes public buy-in uh for contract negotiations or any kind of campaign difficult when you're just getting hammered on just egregious uh egregious <laughs> crimes like that. Um, but at the other, on the other hand, I think like the fact that if Fain wins this, they'll have a majority on the executive board means that they will have a lot of power, um, to go after things. And I also think like they'll have the excuse of just being like, you know, pointing and saying like those, those people are part of the past administration. Um, and, and that's not us. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is challenging. I mean, I think the, I think the union just took like a huge, hit and like those are the talking points that conservatives always use right is just about it's about corruption um and so when that gets handed over in a in a you know federal suit it's like it sucks but i do think that if he wins the shift will be so um you know totalizing that that they'll have a lot of momentum to to you know push back on that right
1: now uh I, I do want to ask about uh, perhaps the the elephant in the room here the the candidacy of uh will layman for oh, UNW yeah. president who uh was supported by the ultra trotskyite uh socialist equality party and um is you know they are saying now that it, it was rigged against him uh they, there needs to be a recount because it's it's been this massive conspiracy i mean what have you done personally to conspire against uh will layman's uh candidacy to create a trotsky uh, i unit.
3: think i will say like in college we we physically chased some spartacus creeps off uh, off our campus who are were, who were hawking newspapers so i will i will go on the record about that but uh, i straight up have just not followed that shit at all uh i i saw that like yeah i saw that there was they were trying to like contest stuff i think they filed a, a yeah they filed a suit or something right to so, the yeah. entire entirety of the election. I don't. I can't remember if they filed that with the monitor or or, or maybe it was the judge who appointed the monitor. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No comment. <laughs> no <laughs> comment. Those guys have been
1: Fair enough. Yeah. They're always good for a laugh. That's for sure. Uh, you no guys comment. got any more questions?
2: Um, I really wanted to hit the EV thing and you got that. So I think uh, I guess... If if I was going to uh, randomly formulate something from uh, you know this whole exchange, um, is there are there any so if if the issue with the old guard is that over time with union leadership, especially you know uh, in this case where you know with the Teamsters, you're getting like a dynastical. Uh, lineage of union bosses with the Hoffas. Uh, Is is there any efforts being taken to kind of avoid this pattern that's a a structural issue with union leadership where you end up creating kind of a bureaucratic class that feels um, disassociated from the rank and file? Or is that something that maybe like we we could tackle later on uh, after the election? Obviously it's not the most pressing thing, but that does seem to be what you would want to address to prevent this from happening again in the future.
3: I mean, I think part of the like built-in, like the partial safety mechanism that's built into all this is the fact that in order for these reformers to come in, they had to change the, the the electoral system, and so I think basically that creates some form of backstop, right? Where like then there's some accountability mechanism going forward, and you know, if if you know the reformist candidates try to try to backtrack and you know change that system once they're in office like there's no way that's going to happen um so i think like that provides hopefully the mechanism and those th- these fights have been years and years and years and years long to change the those systems um and so now that those are in place i think uh there's a there's a much faster mechanism for uh either installing new leadership if if you know, the sitting leadership fails or at least threatening them into doing what the rank and file wants because there's always going to be this now enhanced risk of a direct, you know, direct democratic challenge.
2: We'll clear the shadows of corruption with the pure light of the vote. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Get out there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Be see the about
3: change. That. <laughs> we will see about that. But I think, I think it is, um, it at least, it, it at least undercuts the idea that, you know, these guys are going to, you know, corrupt themselves in five years. It's like, no, there's actually a system uh, to try to ensure accountability. Sure. Okay. Well, that's encouraging.
1: Yeah. I mean, it. it is definitely a danger in, in overstating the the strength and the resurgence of the labor movement, but I definitely think it is an exciting time uh, for unions. So uh, thank you for coming on and explaining this uh, to us. Where can people find you and your work?
3: Uh, they can find me on Twitter and on theintercept.com. Daniel Boguslaw, thank you again. Thanks.
2: Interesting. So, you say there are grad students in the UAW? Yes. And they're
1: all auto workers in some way, a post Fordist economy. We all make a auto and to some extent we're all participating
2: they make the the car of education
1: that's right yeah if you think about it education is like a car
2: in a way
0: education
2: <laughs> is a car that's fascinating
0: i'm always saying that
2: in a way education is a car well we right. can't elaborate on that any further
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i'm the guy from the movie car uh, crash that hey. likes to remember that <laughs> The Cronenberg oh, yeah. film where the guy likes to fuck during car accidents.
2: I did. I haven't seen it, crash. but I've heard a little Classic bit about it. Classic
0: film. I almost said the movie Cars. I, which I, is I thought like, it was
2: <laughs> like,
1: let's see where Jake is going with this. Oh, oh man. If they combine...
0: That's right.
1: In Cronenberg's crash.
0: Oh, yeah. He watches that movie and he gets real weird. Just
2: Owen Wilson. Like people keep fucking in me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how they made those cars. They're humanoid cars. They're bastards.
2: Wow. There's a huge rope on my back seat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There is. I
2: just want to be the fastest one, but not faster than Janie Lee in the back here. (laughs) In the old timey sense, you mean. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's no other characters. It's yeah. just him commenting on the sex in the back of him.
0: I mean, <laughs> only thing I know about that movie, it's, so I can't really.
2: It's somewhat of a, uh, it's like a uh, independent Broadway play, like off-Broadway play. <laughs> <It's just laughs> Owen Wilson, people, he's a car, couples get in the back of him and they copulate. And he comments and we learn about him, we learn about us.
1: This would be while he's crashing. So I guess he's, like, constantly injured. Like, has his wheel in a cast.
2: Yeah. that is I think that's part of cars if I recall too is that he hurts his little wheel
0: that's right yeah, yeah. but he's like it's a fetish thing for him like in Crash
2: <laughs> oh my wheel
0: there's a Ooh. woman in Crash who has like leg braces but then they're like all sexual about it. It's, fu- it's a fucked up movie it's one of my favorite films
2: I think that's gross <laughs> well <laughs>
0: the defined. car he's got like a boot on his leg he's like oh no I can't go anywhere oh
2: I, I parked <laughs> illegally <laughs> (laughs)
0: I I was walking down the street the other day and I saw a boot somebody fucking ripped off of their car and just hung off a tree. It made me so happy to live in New York City. How the fuck do you
2: do that? It's fucking
0: apparently a lot of work, but it can be done. (laughs) It's got to go in a tree, first of all. All right,
2: we got to close out here. Uh, th- thank you again for listening to Poddamn America, America's <laughs> number one cars. But if Owen Wilson was just a guy and people had sex in the back of him
0: podcast, that's right.
2: We, we've, got, we've got some great plugs for you this week. Uh, Jake, what do you got coming up?
0: Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, oh, shit. That's so
2: funny. You're saying like people are complaining uh, about misophenia. We're just <laughs> throwing up into a microphone the entire we've
0: gotten, episode. We've sorry. A lot of
1: people like the burp content.
0: Okay, it's exactly. you yep. got people that like it, we got people that hate it. You guys got to duke it out in the more, Discord. More,
1: more. <laughs>
0: Chewing and burping are two di- very different phenomena. No, nah, I felt like that was I gross. Know. I'm sorry. Maybe we should beep that out. Um, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, it <laughs> ain't gonna happen. Sorry. You know what? Also, that like, we're, this That's podcast is gonna off. change. We're fucking <laughs> gross. Uh, sorry to our misophonia listeners for being who we are, just very guttural boys. I have a show on the twenty fifth of this month look at my twitter it's a town hall it's a whole thing my stalker will be there uh he's opening for me
2: yeah be sure to check out jake stalker uh support him any way you can we have another paid protest coming up and that is on april 6th i believe let's get the date up here first thursday first thursday of the month at silo in bushwick it's our regular spot so be sure to check that out we're going to put the link up the second we got one uh and any other plugs
1: uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley Warren Instagram. Uh, oh, and we had a really fun episode this week about H- Harold Washington behind the paywall, who was the first mayor of Chicago to be an African-American and uh, a progressive to boot. And uh, there's some historical precedent there that uh, could be aligning with the current moment uh, pretty soon. So some interesting Chicago content on our Patreon.
0: Check out our side project, the Bubble Boys podcast, which we started on that episode. <laughs>
1: and the
2: bubble boys man. is the new direction for the show. yeah
1: said that we're doing a gum podcast from now on <laughs> uh don't hold us to it and it's uh, called I the don't. bubble boys
0: and you can right. stick to that
1: like
2: gum don't
0: let us burst your bubble
2: pop Popped.
0: chew on that
2: it's finished
0: it's finished